amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With me here today is uh, Don Barry from Peterborough, and uh, Don has a, a career with the lacrosse that stems back into the 40s, believe it or not. He doesn't look a day over <laughs> 50 to me. And, uh, you know, has been a player, a coach, uh, has been a builder of the game, uh, has been involved with Canada's national team, uh, just has been in the pro leagues as a coach. Uh, so we're going to look into this a little bit today and uh, look at not, not really the life and times of Don Barry, but some of the key moments for the game. And, and Don has seen a lot. So we're going to find out more about this game through Don today. Biggest question since we're in Peterborough at the uh, Peterborough Sports Hall of Fame at the uh, Memorial Arena. Uh, and uh, it's a beautiful facility and so much history here. Uh, lacrosse played a big part of the history here in Peterborough. How did it get started in Peterborough? Do you, you know where, how it developed? Yeah, it started back, of course, way back in the field era. Uh, like. Peterborough was, uh, they had a lot of Irish and Scottish settlers come in and so on, so soccer and cricket were big. And in 1872, a gentleman introduced lacrosse to the area. And it was, uh, so he, he got some of the younger clerks that worked in stores and so on, and they, they learned the game down along the river in Peterborough here. And, uh, they formed a couple of teams, sort of like a junior team and a senior team. They called the uh, senior team the Red Rosettes. I have no idea where that name came from. Uh, it sort of doesn't fit in with the idea of lacrosse or Peterborough itself. But anyway, so field lacrosse took off really well here. And within 15 years, we were one of the dominant field lacrosse areas in Ontario. And in fact, we even hosted the world champion Montreal Wanderers here in Peterborough. Uh, they came in for an exhibition game. In those days, field lacrosse was, uh, they were called games, went one goal. As soon as a goal was scored, it was a game. So you would play maybe three out of five games, as much as we play in playoffs now that way. So uh, we, I think the Wanderers beat us three games to zero or something. You know, they were a professional team. New Zealand Lawn was on it. And you know, uh, so that's how the peak of it. But then uh, during the early 1900s, uh, during the war, it fell completely off. And there was virtually no lacrosse in this area. And it started to get resurrected in the 1920s. There was a few field teams around, but it was more the Norwoods and the lake fields and the areas around. And uh, it, 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 it just really didn't take off until Box cross was invented. It was, of course, invented in 1931, and Peterborough was one of the first teams to take off in 1932. We started to play box lacrosse here in the city. So, 
when the Wanderers came, was that like 1907 or 1907? No, it was 18, 1895 in that area, 1894. Oh, okay, because I, I know uh, Newsy Milan playing out for the Salmon Bellies yes. uh, in the early 1900s. So yes, I don't there. know if Newsy was actually, he played for the Ronders if he was on that team that came here or if it was a, a seconds or something that came in, but it was a big deal because they had a parade through the city and they carried their world championship ba banner with them, uh, okay. the, the Wanderers did across. It was played across the river in the cricket pitch uh, across what we call East City or Ashburnham today. Uh, we didn't have a d decent field here in city. There was really two towns then, Ashburnham and Peterborough divided by the river. And, and was that banner, they used to play for the Claxton banners in the uh, late 1860s or 1870s, yeah. would that yeah, I, I don't know, they just said that they, they, they marched, like I just doing the research from my book, yeah. it just was in the paper, it mentioned that the Wanderers marched across the bridge carrying behind their, carrying their championship banner, uh, world championship banner, so I don't know what an actual banner was. All right, well, that, that's something I've got to look, try to find out when they stopped using the Claxton yeah. banner, you know, and from the early days. So there was a transition from field to box here, and so how did, what, 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 what was unique about that transition? Well, the thing that we really just walked away from field. Uh, it, uh, uh, the one year we had a field team and it played in the county league around here, the next year gone. We're playing in the only indoor rink we have here. It's the, it was called the Brock Street Arena. And uh, they played on a dirt floor indoors. Box, it was seven aside, of course, box in those days with uh, no subs. And, uh, but we got involved and we were playing against Aurelia and Toronto and a few of the teams. And within the second year, I think we won one of the championships uh, at, at one of the divisions. And then at some point they started creating uh, like the Miller Bowl, like outdoor bowls that they played in here, right? Yeah, it, it got so darn hot in the arena yeah. that eventually they built a bowl, which they called the George Street Stadium. And they built it down, uh, if anybody knows Peter, across from the arena uh, here on uh, our main street, George Street now. And it, it, what, it was used in the late 30s. Uh, and then during the war, of course, all the players went away to the war. And uh, what happened was the city commandeered the bowl and stored metal for the war effort in there, huh. took trucks in and, and ruined the bowl. Huh. So when the boys came back from the, after the war in 1945, all hell broke loose in the city. Here they come back after fighting the war and the city had basically wrecked their lacrosse bowl that they had built. They built it themselves. And it, it had held a couple of thousand people. So it was a substantial build uh, effort. Yeah. It was an outdoor bowl, of course. Yeah. So the city scrambled and they gave them some land and then the famous Miller Bowl was built in 47. Okay. And, and uh, lacrosse took off then. And they had up to 4,000 people, if you can believe it, in an outdoor bowl. Wow. And uh, uh, we started to import players, and we became really lacrosse uh, uh, a powerhouse in the in, in the country, and won four Stanley uh, four Man Cups in a row, 51 to 54. 
with import players. Now, was Miller a, a benefactor? or a... <clears throat> He was an old lacrosse field player, and he was one of the ones that got the money together. And uh, he was, I think, eventually was on city council, but he, he pulled enough strings and they, they got money together. And they built the players, built the bowl themselves physically. They went down, and I remember my dad taking me down. I was, I was not eight, seven, and I'd go down, and, and my dad would work on it, and they'd be nailing, and they'd be building the darn bowl themselves. And it, uh, uh, it, uh, it became a community project. So that, you know, basically made by those who would use it. And, yes, uh, yeah. So pretty special that way. Yeah. And then I understand around 1957, the game started to move indoors. Well, what happened, the city, this land became pretty popular down there along the uh, uh, lake. Right. So the city said, oh, we, you know, they gave it a dollar lease to the lacrosse. They said, you know, we're going to revoke the lease. So after 10 years, they revoked the lease on the, uh, on the uh, uh, bowl. But the, Miller, uh, the Peterborough Memorial Center had opened in 56. Okay. So they said, well, you can go ahead and play indoor. Well, it didn't transfer well. People were used to being outside, yeah. and it, it really struggled. Uh, and by 60, 61, senior was gone in the city. Wow. Uh, and we went three, four years without senior lacrosse because it just it, it flopped in, uh, indoors. The people didn't like it. It was hot in there, and uh, players didn't come. And uh, so it, it, it didn't. The transfer didn't work well. Huh. It seems like sometimes city, the city higher-ups didn't treat the game with maybe the respect that the people wanted. Not at all. We've, there's always been uh, animosity between the city and lacrosse. Uh, going back prior to that, they tore down the bowls on them and, uh, and then forcing them out of the Miller Bowl into the, into the Memorial Center here. And right up to today, we have... Uh, issues with the city and, and, and the way they treat lacrosse that uh, uh, really split uh, the community down, down the middle. Uh, those that uh, support lacrosse and, and are upset with the city and then the people that don't care about lacrosse and uh, don't care what the city's doing to it. <laughs> but the city gets a lot of its identity from the game. Uh, like it's really helped put it Well, this is the, the this is the ironic thing about it, that they, uh, uh, like, uh, lacrosse is the most popular sport in the city, and, and Peterborough, I think, though a couple of cities may argue with us, is the most popular, uh, efficient, and, and, uh, and well-run lacrosse organization in Canada. I mean, we draw crowds in here that uh, uh, are up to 4,000 in some games, you know. Yeah. Uh, for Man Cups and so on. So uh, no other community in, uh, across Canada uh, has that kind of uh, record. In the early 2000s, there was a big uh, boom, I guess, for the game or a boost. Well, they did a renovation here at the Memorial Center and uh, they put in air conditioning. And then uh, people started to come back slowly and some money came into the game. Teddy Higgins did a lot of work around here and, and got the thing reorganized and they started to import players again. And in 04, we had a championship team here and won the Man Cup. And we had great crowds and it's taken off since then. 
And for the next 15 years up to now, uh, we've had, uh, you know, averaging over 3,000, a lot of games uh, over the season here. So it was that, it was the air conditioning and <laughs> winning lacrosse that made the difference. And did you have uh, a fair number of NLL players playing for you at that time? Or? Oh, at one time or even now, the, the, practically every player on the Lakers is also plays on an NLL team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was, uh, see the NLL sort of took off at that time too. So uh, the players were, became summer and winter lacrosse players. Was your, your brother uh, Tim involved with, with the team at that stage? Or? Tim, Tim took over the president of the junior team. Junior team. Okay. Yeah, and in that, in 04 or 06, they won the Minto Cup. And he brought in a couple of players that ended up in the uh, 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 NLL. And uh, the juniors took off. Now, the juniors have had some tough times of late uh, uh, with players and so on. But uh, they had a pretty good run there for a while. Many of the players are on that Man Cup team, or that Mental Cup team, have been on the Man Cup teams for the Lakers. I see. And uh, what's the... What's different about this community versus others, the way lacrosse is perceived, do you think? It's a, it's a unique community as far as lacrosse because I think it's so, uh, it goes back so far and we've had so much success. And in those or early days, we brought in a lot of players. We, we imported a lot of players, but most of them stayed and took jobs here. Like they would come in here not for money, but to get a job because we had a pretty thriving industrial uh, complex here in the city. Uh, uh, four or five major factories that were hiring back in the early 50s, late 40s. And so those guys stayed and they stayed and coached and they stayed and added to the game. And, and the one thing about us, we're somewhat isolated here from Toronto. So we, uh, <laughs> the outsiders say we're inbred, but uh, we, we, we sort of look inward with our coaching and so on and we develop a fairly unique style of the game that uh, other teams soon uh, uh, followed. We had some very innovative coaches like Bobby Allen here who who brought things to the game from basketball that people never thought of and uh, it, it, it grew that way so we got a unique style of, of the way we played much like some countries have a unique style with their soccer or with their hockey. Uh, we have a, an identifiable way we play lacrosse, I think, and that, that's unique to, to the game. So obviously you know a lot about the history of the game and you decided to document it through some books that you've written. Yeah, like I've been writing a column for the Examiner for 25 years. And so I started to pull together some of the, the stories. I, I write a, quite a bit about lacrosse. And uh, so I ended up uh, uh, publishing a book in the early 2000s on, on the history of lacrosse. I think it would come out in 2004 and then an updated it in 2009. And uh, it was kind of interesting going back through the archives out at the university here, Trent University, and reading the newspapers and so on and how, how lacrosse because that was the other thing, the papers really supported the lacrosse in uh, the day. Like 
some communities you could read the paper and you wouldn't even know there was a lacrosse game that night. Yeah. Well, the, the media in this city is very, very uh, strong with uh, supporting the game. So there was a lot of good records on, on, on the game and uh, it uh, made it such that uh, it was uh, uh, easier to research. And, and that's a lot like Baltimore in the U.S. where yes. it's always in the papers yeah. of the game. And, uh, yep, yep, that's right. And, and Johns Hopkins and yeah. And uh, so what, uh, you wrote two novels about the game. There's yeah. not many lacrosse novels written. <laughs> no. So how did, how did that all come about? Well, it just came about because of uh, stories, you know, I... I after I'd done the research, I said, you know, like there were so many characters in the game and you heard stories about them, you know, you don't know how true they were or how, you know, about things that happened. So I thought, well, I could write a novel and include these in there and it's fiction, but it's, it's from stuff that players did and heard. And, uh, and the one that the first one that did Moon and Me about a uh, a ten-year-old boy that had polio and couldn't play outdoors in lacrosse, but went to the lacrosse school like I did, and uh, so he became a goalie. And then Moon Wooten came into the city, and uh, uh, I I knew Moon uh, not well. I played one lacrosse game uh, on the same team with him. I was a juvenile, and they brought me up to play senior uh, for one game, and uh, Moon was in goal. And we played up in Owen Sound, but so I, I created a relationship between this star goalie and this kid with uh, polio that was really a backup goalie, and at Pee Wee, and it, it's it's just about a year in the life of the of the two of them. Uh, the uh, Moon Wooten's team went on and won the Man Cup in in '51, and this little guy played on a peewee team that got beat out in the first game at the peewee tournament. Yeah. But uh, so I, and that was our, with the team I played on, we played one game all year. We had no exhibition games. We went to the uh, uh, the peewee championships in Brampton in the old Rose Bowl and we lost our first game, it was over. Yeah. <laughs> that was their season. <laughs> so, and then the second one was about an older guy's uh, stories that you know, when I was doing the research for the book, they would tell me things that I couldn't print about them. Uh, you know, like little off-color cover, uh, yeah. things and so on and so forth. So I thought, well, there's a story there. So I created a guy and uh, he, uh, he was in uh, uh, St. John training school uh, and he, was, he had a German uh, background and it was during the war. And uh, so he got, uh, he escaped from the St. John's training school, which also had lacrosse, and we played lacrosse up there. It was in Scarborough, and so he escaped and went to the States, and then he got into the war, and and then he came back and played lacrosse, and then I folded in all these stories about these guys that that into his life, and they called him Stickman, and he it. I'd heard a story, and, and I don't know if it was true or not, but somebody told me that uh, an indigenous uh, uh, soldier in the war fashioned a, uh, a lacrosse stick uh, and was able to throw a grenade 
add in, into a, a bunker or something that they couldn't throw in. And I don't know if it was a true story or not, but uh, uh, a native person told me that, and I, that there was a guy and there was a story and I phoned down to Six Nations and I knew a couple of people and nobody had really, they'd heard the story of this guy, but nobody could, had a name or there anything. So I folded that into my story. This guy, he's, he's the guy and he, he was in the army. And, uh, and so that was, that's the second novel. Well, I, I've heard about uh, World War One. They actually did throw grenades with, with across the, things. Yeah, a yeah. Lot, lot more distance. Yeah, and you didn't have to stick your head up. No, out of the no, no. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. So there's a yeah. lot of good reasons. Yeah, yeah. To do it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I've heard that. Yeah, but, uh, I, I believe it's true. Um, so, you know, you've got this place where it, the game's held in a high regard by the people who play it, if not the city fathers, <laughs> but, but it's. <laughs> It's held at a high regard, and where do you see the game going here, a national basis and an international basis, if you take it all the way like that? That's, that's you know, I, I think Peterborough will always be a lacrosse community, even though they get bumped around pretty good by the city, uh, and uh, they, they've got a very, very solid fan base with that goes back with people that, like I was saying, like when... Uh, you're in a man cup game here and the people are sitting in the stands. Pretty well everybody in the stands knows somebody on the floor or the uncle of somebody on the floor. They all relate to them. Unlike hockey, the junior A hockey players come in here. You know, they're great hockey players and so on, but there's no personal relationship with any of them. So lacrosse, I think, will continue to be that way. I. I'm a little concerned that the, the way the game is going, the way it's being played, it's not as fan friendly now, I don't think, as it was. Because of the front door, back door thing, a lot of the physicality's been taken out of the game. It's a speed game now. Not that we want to go back to the old days where they were fighting and hitting each other over their head and so on, right, but right. it, and I don't know if the fans will continue to, to follow that, but there's, the other big thing is, internationally, the game is taking off. We've got a, uh, a U19 girls tournament here in the city this weekend, yeah. or this week, and 22 different countries are here. Like when, when you and I were involved in 78 in, the, in England, four countries were involved right. in, in lacrosse. So that, that's the area, that's the growth area. And uh, uh, I was, we were talking to Johnny Davis earlier today. He really feels it'll be in the Olympics in a while. I don't know about that, but it, it's, it's growing. So I think that's the growth area. Where field lacrosse is not a great spectator sport compared to box lacrosse. Uh, field lacrosse is a great growth sport because it's easy to play in countries. Uh, it's, it doesn't require a lot of equipment, uh, you know, fields and you know, especially things like that, and kids pick it up, and especially in the United States now, it's taken off. It's one of the the biggest growing sports, and football is losing out because of the injury and the concussions, yeah. and I think you're going to see it take off there. So that's that's how I see it growing. Okay. Well, they say in 2028 it's going to be in the Olympics. So we'll is there? Yeah, that's the year that they're targeting and uh, are planning towards, and they're going to create a hybrid of the box and the field game with less players, smaller field, uh, but 
try to make the game uh, playable by both men and women right. uh, oh. version, almost like okay. rugby sevens. Yeah. Okay. You know, to to well, get, that's get that's good. That's good news because uh, and it. It's going to take that, I think, to get it going. And uh, like it was in the Olympics, eh? Canada won the... Uh, 1904, 1908. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, so I hope it does come back. Yeah. It'll be great for the game. And we're up to 62 nations playing <coughs> with uh, the field lacrosse. Right. And, uh, you know, that, that if it goes in the Olympics, that'll double. Uh, oh, sure, it will. You know, yeah. well, that's, which would be uh, yeah. an amazing thing for the sport. Right. Well, Don, I just want to thank you for your time uh, here today, you know, and uh, uh, making this facility open for us to, to do so many great interviews with people from, from Peterborough. And uh, thank you, you know, for allowing us to come in to share your history with you. Okay, well. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.